The following audio is from Redeemer Anglican Church in Richmond, Virginia. More information about Redeemer is available online at RedeemerRVA.org. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Psalm 56. You can find that on page 476 of your Pew Bible. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps, as they have waited for my life. For their crime, will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let's stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 26, or chapter 10, verses 26 to 33. That's on page 815 of your pew Bibles, these uh, black Bibles like this one right here. And just as a reminder, if you don't own a Bible, you're welcome to take one of these home with you as a gift from us. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you. So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. Amen. Let's be seated. Once again, good morning, church. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Dan. I'm really grateful to serve here as a pastor. And uh, if you've been around Redeemer for any length of time, then you'll know um, that every summer, one of our practices is for me to actually take a step back from preaching regularly uh, in order to spend some time uh, not only in rest and prayer, but but also in long-term strategic planning, thinking ahead, praying ahead, asking the Lord and asking kind of you and asking for advice from folks, where is our church headed in the next year or two and how can we prepare and plan accordingly um, so that we can be faithful in the year ahead. So I'm doing some long-range work right now. I'm also 
Um, I also think it's really important for us as a church to hear from a plurality of voices in the pulpit, right? Not just one voice, but lots of different voices expositing and preaching God's word to us. And you know what? It's also just important for me to sit under somebody else's teaching. I need to hear sermons just as much as anybody else does. Uh, So for all those reasons, we invite past uh, preachers both from inside and outside our congregation to preach here over the summer. And if you are part of Redeemer's kind of email list, then you probably saw an email earlier this week that uh, advertised or announced that a wonderful uh, woman named Bethany Hoeing was going to be here to preach to us this morning. But true to form, as seems to be the trend this summer, on Thursday morning, I got a text from her saying that she had COVID and would not be able to join us on Sunday. So I kind of sprang into action, went over and talked to my wife, Rachel, and said, sorry, honey, Bethany's out. I got to preach on Sunday. So opened the Bible to Psalm 62, started prepping a sermon. And not 45 minutes later, my good friend, David Bailey, texted me and said, hey, I'm actually getting back from a month-long stint in Europe where I've been studying art and kind of the history of the church there. I'm getting back into Richmond on Friday. I'm available to preach on Sunday. I was like, that's great. Close the Bible, threw away my notes, David's up. Um, So uh, David, we're so glad you're here. Come on up, Uh, everyone, this is David Bailey. David is the founder and executive director of a really wonderful ministry in town called Erebon. Erebon has been a justice and mercy partner with Redeemer for a number of years. We're so glad to support the work that they're doing in the area of racial reconciliation and healing. And David is is also just a, a, a good friend and someone that I continually learn from. So David... Thank you for coming to preach to us. Let me say a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for my friend and my brother and my co-laborer, David. Uh, Thank you uh, for his presence here with us this morning. I pray that you would speak through him to us this morning. Would you open our ears and our hearts and our minds and our bodies to receive your word to us through your servant, David. In your name we pray. Amen. It's great to be with you all again. Um, I've come and preached here before, and I'm really thankful that there are so many uh, friends and uh, family members here. Um, I remember when Dan came to uh, Richmond and talked about the church plant, and it's just so great to see how the church has grown uh, over the years. And at Arabon, we are so thankful for... Um, your generosity and support in the work. I know uh, there are many people that say like, hey, uh, with a lot of the uh, political and racial tension that's going on uh, in our world, uh, they're like, where's the gospel representation uh, in this space? And I'm thankful that you all and your generosity uh, have supported the work to be able to have a uh, gospel representation uh, through the work of Arabon. So would you give yourself a round of applause? (laughs) <laughs> now, I, I grew up, um, I, I am low-key Anglican, um, but I grew up in a, 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 a Pentecostal preacher tradition where a preacher is not a monologue, it's a dialogue, and uh, it helps the sermons to be a lot shorter when you get feedback. So I just want to encourage a little bit of feedback today, because um, the rule in the 11 o'clock service is you can go as long as you want to go, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, so, so, so we're, our text today is in Psalms 56, written by David. And, you know, you don't have to be that familiar with the Bible to know about the story of David and who? Goliath. Goliath. All right, remember the feedback thing. David and who? Goliath. 
David and Goliath. And so, you know, David was this forgotten, obscure shepherd boy that uh, spent most of his times in the woods uh, uh, taking care of sheep. He was the eighth son. He was the youngest son, particularly in a cultural context where the priority of who was the most important as children started at being the first, the second. By the time you're the eighth, you've literally forgotten about it. And when the man of God came to, 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 to uh, 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 check out who the anointed person was going to be, uh, um, the family literally forgot about David. And so... It was in the midst of there was this uh, war that was going on between the Israelite and the Philistines, and there was a showdown with this guy named Goliath, and, and, and David's older brothers were out at this site of this showdown, and there was a standstill between Saul and his army and Goliath and his army, and so David was, as the youngest, was sent on an errand to go and to provide some gifts, some food for his brothers. It's in the midst of that that this obscure shepherd boy, a son, ends up stumbling into the will of God, and he experiences the greatest peak of his life. He ends up defeating Goliath and becomes a national figure. He becomes like a person of national prominence. He, he, he gets celebrated for defeating this great giant, this enemy of Israel, doing the will of God. He becomes a friend of the royal family and doesn't even go back and visit his father. He becomes friends, BFS, with, with Jonathan, the, 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 the son of the king. The king puts him in charge of armies, and he deals with vocational success, and he's at the peak of his greatest time of his life. So the reputation starts to go around. He says that Saul, folks say Saul killed a 1,000, and David killed 10,000. And if this was in 2022 in the age of Instagram, there would have been a meme that would have came out that with Saul's face that said, haters are going to hate. Oh, Saul became a hater. I mean, he, 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 could, he was an insecure public official that, that was upset that people were more excited about David than they were about Saul. And so, out of his insecurity, he began to uh, 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 um, have envy and, and hatred, and, and, and eventually was like, I, I'm not going to kill him. And you see him, like, say that twice. That's kind of a weird thing to say. I'm not going to kill you, but, you know, let me figure this out. And so, 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 what he decides to do, instead of killing himself, he ends up figuring out a way he can send other people to kill him as an insecure public official. And so what he does is he says, oh, you know what? I'm going to not just have David to be a family friend. I want to actually bring David into the family. And he offers David the hand of marriage of his daughter. He figures that, like, hey, maybe what I'll do is I'll set this up in a way where if I bring a part of his family Get him to fight the Philistines. Maybe those folks can kill him. And so 
he says, like, hey, if you want to have my daughter's hand in marriage, then you got to get 100 foreskins. You know, July 1st, my wife and I celebrate our 16th year anniversary. And I remember 16 years ago when I asked my father-in-law for my wife's hand to marriage. And let me say, I'm really glad that he didn't require one foreskin, let alone a <laughs> hundred. <laughs> but David, being the overachiever that he is, he got 200 foreskins. And David was more successful and Saul got crazier and crazier and more envious. And then his anger ended up coming out so much that he actually threw a spear and tried to kill David. David, being an agile young man, got out the way, was able to flee. For whatever reason, Saul kind of said, oh, I lost my senses. David, can you please come back? Can you, you know, just play the harp for me again and be a great minstrel. And, and so, so, so he, he came back, but then Saul's anger, as the reputation started to go more and more and more and more and more and more, his anger began to get the best of him again. He tries to kill David again. Well, during the midst of this drama, of this stress and this precipice of hostility, Jonathan and David become even closer friends. They move beyond friends to become dear brothers. I mean, they become lifelong brothers and get into a covenant with one another. And the more, the closer that they got and the more that Saul understood it, the angrier Saul got. And it got to such a point that Saul decided, hey, I am definitely going to kill him. And Jonathan was put in a position where he had to choose between his father and his brother. And in chapter 20, you find one of the most dramatic departures in Scripture. Every time I read 1 Samuel 20, I mean, I hear the soundtrack I see the drama that is being talked in this dialogue of two brothers that are in the field, and they know this is the last time that they're going to have to see each other. I hear the soundtrack. I hear the slow motion tear that's like falling down their eyes. And, and, and here it is that David, in order to save his life, he has to lose the closest brother that he has ever had. David had seven other brothers, and, and you can even see that they weren't close. They forgot about him. Uh, one of his other brothers, when he came to bring them food, and he was asked about what was going on with Goliath, he misunderstood him. He, he, he spoke very condescendingly of him. And so he finally was able to have not only a best friend, but the closest brother that he could ever have and has ever had and he moved from the greatest peak in the midst of the deepest valley. He had to lose a brother. He moved from being a friend to a family to a foe. From a friend to a family to a foe. From a friend to a family to a foe. And in the midst of that, he is in the 
deepest valley and he has to run for refuge. And the place that he finds refuge is in the midst of the enemy's camp of the Philistines. This is the same place where he killed the greatest leader. He got a reputation for killing 10,000 people. And then there were 200 foreskins that he collected. And he has to find refuge in the enemy's camp. And the only people while he is in his deepest valley, moving from a friend to a family to a foe, he is around, surrounded by the distress, the in debt, and the discontented. And David is like, how in the world did I get here? How did I get here from being like the, the, the greatest one, the greatest uh, 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 soldiers and, 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 and public figures to being around the in debt, the distressed, and the discontented? And it's out of this context, Psalm 56 is written. He says, be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit and all day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long and in their pride many are attacking me. Brothers and sisters, betrayal, there is no type of pain like the pain of betrayal. I mean, even with people you don't even know that well, like people you work with, that, that you could, uh, um, you know, you're collaborating with them and you work with them, but if one of them betray you, it's like the OJs. They say they smile on your face all the time. They want to take your place. Backstabbers. There is no kind of pain like betrayal. I mean, you know, you could have some friends who, who, who you have shared intimacy with and, and they've been close and they were there for you and then they all of a sudden change and turn their back on you. There is no pain like betrayal. You know, as a pastor, you know, there are times where you have families that you see, like it could be in a time of death and, and there might be like an inheritance or some type of situation and you see betrayal that happens or you're in a pastoral counseling session and there's infidelity that it happens. And there's no kind of pain like the pain of betrayal. You know, every week I hear this type of betrayal. It's a little bit adjacent to this family betrayal. There's no kind of betrayal like the betrayal of spiritual family. Every week, I hear people that are, are disappointed with the church that says like, hey, I remember when Christians said they stood for this, and then I'm seeing out of convenience they're changing their, 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 their moral stance, and, and they're switching the, the rules and the uh, goalposts out of convenience, and, 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 and there's a, a spiritual betrayal that folks... I hear, tell me, every single week I hear this from folks. There's no kind of pain like betrayal. And in the midst of this betrayal, we see that David does something that he's, he, he's honest and he owns where he is and he, he owns his fear. 
He says this. He says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And God, who's my word, I praise. And God, I trust. And I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? See, see, you know, we, we can't be the kind of people that, that deny the reality of our experience because if we want to meet God in the midst of our pain, we have to be honest with where we are emotionally. And there's no kind of pain like betrayal, but out of that betrayal with people that you trust, then there's this like fear can emerge. And, and then Psalm um, um, in 56, he goes on in verse 5, says, All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They inspire. They lurk. They watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. So you see that unapologetically, without any kind of filter, that David is praying for justice. He's praying for justice to happen out of his pain, out of his anger, out of his fear. We live in such a time in our Christian faith where we try to minimize emotions. That, that when, when, when people uh, show their fear, their anger, their betrayal, and, and what emotion emerges out there, and their, their raw emotions, we oftentimes will try to minimize them and say, hey, stop being emotional. But that's such an unbiblical response. God gave us 150 psalms so that we can know how to meet God in every type of emotion of the human experience. And in Psalm 56, it's the emotion of betrayal where, 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 where anger and sometimes even hatred or, or, or fear and all of these things come up and God wants to meet us in this emotion. So check out this next part of prayer. David says, God, record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? See, see, see David is praying a prayer saying, God, would you be empathetic to me? Would you, would you pay attention to my feels? Would you pay attention to my pain? Don't, don't just, 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 just only just like fix it. I want you to understand the kind of agony that they brought to me. We Christians have to learn how to be empathetic people. We got to learn how to engage in the kind of empathy that God meets us with. But we also have to allow God to meet us with his empathy as we're honest with the challenges that we deal with in this human experience. It's in the midst of, of God, you know, a, a meeting in the pain. He says that my enemies will turn back and when I call for help. And by this, I will know that God is with and for me. 
There's a saying that people don't care how much you know until you know how much you care. And this is something that God practices with us. God meets us deeply, empathetically, and, 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 and David knows that. And David's getting a chance to know this in this dark valley that he is in. This says, and God, who's my word I praise, and the Lord, whose word I praise, and God, I trust and am not afraid, what can man do to me? See, when your foundation and you're standing on a foundation, there can be times in our lives where we think the foundation that we're standing on is strong and you deal with betrayal, you deal with fear, you deal with anger, and you realize this foundation is a lot more insecure than you thought it was. And when that happens, you need to make sure that the unshakable foundation of God is the one that you're truly standing on. And the only way to know that you're standing on the foundation of God is that you are trusting in the word of God, the word of the Lord. See that word God, Yahweh, and Lord? Like one is just talking about like the God of the universe, but then also the one that is powerful and in control. And we are firm and we're, we're strengthening that foundation when we are literally bathing and living and trusting in the word of God. And it says, I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my... Thank offering to you. For you have delivered me from death, and my feet are from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. See, brothers and sisters, the light of life becomes brighter when we meet God in the darkness of our valley. There is no type of dark valley like the dark valley of betrayal. Whether you are in a work situation and your, your, your finances are dependent on it, your livelihoods are dependent on it, or you are with your friends and your friends betray you, or you're with family or a, a, a life partner and they betray you, there is no type of pain like this betrayal, no type of dark valley like this betrayal. When your, your spiritual family or church or those you've built your spiritual foundation with and there's a betrayal, God has given Psalm 56 to help navigate through this type of betrayal. You could be dealing with this situation now, but if you keep on living, there's going to be a period of time where you're going to deal with some kind of betrayal. And know that the Lord has given you this gift to be able to meet God in the darkness of your valley. Let us pray. Lord God, we are thankful that literally thousands of years ago, 
in the midst of David's dark valley, you gave him these words to pray to you. To put in the sacred text because you know that betrayal is the inevitable for the human experience. Lord, we also give thanks because Jesus experienced betrayal from his friends and from his family. And even in the midst of the cry on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was in the reunion of the resurrection that you've made sense of all kind of sin and death. And you have given the Holy Spirit to us to help lead and guide us and to comfort us in the midst of all the continuum of the peaks and valleys of this thing called the human life. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who right now might be in the midst of a storm of a betrayal and they need these words to become real. They need you to meet them where they are. I pray that they won't deconstruct you from their reality. But they would know that none of this could catch you by surprise and that you've prepared a way for them in the deepness of their, in the darkness of their valley. Lord, I pray for those who at this moment is not going through a period of time of betrayal. I pray, Lord, that you would hide this word in their heart that when that time comes, they will be able to speak this word and fight off the enemy. We thank you for your word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people say, amen.